find a baller. My life is more than money and jewelry. My story's so crazy, dog. I said make a movie behind the baller. I went from playing sports to exotic whips. Ain't gotta tell me, dog. I know I'm the shit behind the baller. My life is more than money and jewelry. My story's so crazy, dog. I said make a movie behind the baller. I went from music exec to this podcast. Now I finally feel at home and laugh behind the baller. Yo, 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 what's good? What is good? What's good? I don't know why I'm so hyped. It's Monday. Yo, you are listening to a brand new episode of the world famous Behind the Baller podcast coming to you in high definition sound. That is true stereo professional podcasting museum quality sound here. This show is produced by the Dust Brothers podcast producers of the year. That'd be Miles Davis and Jordan Winter. I am your host, Ben Baller, not Ben Humble, a.k.a. the Forrest Gump of hip-hop, a.k.a. the Korean Liam Neeson, a.k.a. the Wash Lord, a.k.a. the Shank King, a.k.a. Bitch, I am a real golfer. Fuck out of here. With the original music from Illegal Cartel and a soundtrack from the great Lakey Inspired. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Monday. I hope you guys are pumped like me. I don't know what the fuck is going on. It is the week of Thanksgiving. By the way, guys, there will be no episode on Thanksgiving Day. There will be no Thanksgiving Day episode. We've taken the week off this week. Go cry to your mama. But yeah, let's get this motherfucking show started. So I found out some shit this weekend and just... I don't give a fuck if I'm late on something. And one of the coolest things I think about um, this old school shit is it's old school. You cherish some of the, the, the eras, right? And you, people dress a certain way, right? I don't really have a certain style unless you want to call like comfortable a style. I don't dress in suits. I don't wear certain shit. I mean, I do dress the part for golf. But you know what I realized? Like when you think about dudes who are lowriders, and it's usually, you know what I'm saying, it's going to be people from uh, the Hispanic culture. A lot of black people obviously also crews, lowriders and shit. But if you think about it, when I look at black folks who crews and lowride, you know what I'm saying? I have a whole bunch of homies who did this for, been doing it for 30, 40 years. They're stuck in like an 80s, maybe 90s era when I see some of my homies like Mr. Cartoon and uh, anybody else from, you know, that whole um, Raza culture, you know, they go back to the 40s from the Bombas, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, in, in that culture, the 50s, they dress the 60s, the whole nine, that American me shit. And um, they, don't, they don't give a fuck. Like, fuck fashion. They got some Levi's 501s, a white tee, a Pendleton, and they just keep it gangster. And, and I respect that. I straight up, I respect the fuck out of it. Like, fuck fashion. Throw on some fucking, some Air Force Ones. But really, they, you know, they got some Vans on. They got some fuck. They might have some Stacey Adams on. They got some K-Swiss on. They just keep it old school. It's fuck fashion. No one can say shit to them. And you got to respect that. Anyways, the reason why I'm hyped about it is um, I found a band that's been around for a while called Durand, Jones, and Indications. Wow. Duran Jones and the Indications. It could be three white boys. Might be two. I don't know what the lead singer is. And a black dude, a brother he who's just, they just vibing. I listened to two or three songs on repeat. I might have played the song seven fucking times in a row. And I had to stop because I was like, yo, I got to go to sleep. But they got this song called Is It Any Wonder? And there's a bunch of other songs cruising to the park and just other shit. The vibes are crazy. And this song I love came out fucking five, six years ago. And I don't give a fuck if I just found out about it. A super follower tweeted it. And I was like, yo, who the fuck is this dude? Just that vibe, it shook through my body. And I know I'm an old school cat. I know some of you guys ain't really maybe had some big homie guidance, right? But I fuck with oldies. Used to be a radio station called K-Earth 101. And all they play is oldies. And now, I don't know if some of y'all know this, but I used to have a 64 Impala. 
right? I had a Chevy, 64. Um, I've had a 71 Chevelle, but that was more like on some hot rod shit. This song got me so fucked up, make me want to buy a 62 rag. You know what I mean? By when I say rag, I'm talking about a, a drop top. And I'm even down to get a 61 bubble top. I don't give a fuck. I've always wanted to get an old school. I just don't have anywhere to park it, you know? And, um, man, one of my favorite things to do is just cruise. And it's one thing, you know, you can't really cruise. I mean, with, with the homies, you know, um, cruising in exotic cars, they tend to be loud. But one thing I love to do when my mind is just cluttered and I just got a gang of shit going on, I'll tell my wife, like, baby, I, I got to take a drive. For the most part, she knows something's wrong in my life if I'm taking a drive. And I think I've talked about it here before, but I drive over to Monterey Park a lot. And when my parents are going through a divorce, I was staying at my auntie's house and she lived in Monterey Park. And this is my Jewish side of the family. And they went to a private school called Page. And then they went to Stephen S. Wise. And then one of my cousins went to Crossroads, but they split up. But, but I got three cousins who are Jewish-Korean and um, three sisters. And I was like, God damn, man, that's fucking crazy. You know what I'm saying? When you have three girls, you know, no boys. But the fun, fucking crazy part about the whole story, and I don't want to get too much into it, was my uncle was married to two other women. And it was crazy because... Um, my uncle was a radiologist and he worked at Kaiser and he was very successful. But I think the stress of having him have, I think he had like six, seven kids with three women and it was crazy as shit. And I didn't know any of this shit until I was like fucking 20 something years old. And um, it's just wild as fuck to me. But uh, my second cousin, Denise, she used to date Terrell Jackson as Tito's son, who was, was dating Kim Kardashian after that. And she was best friends with this girl named Rashida Jones. Rashida is a famous actress, Quincy Jones' daughter. Rashida's older sister, Kadada, is one of my oldest friends, too. And Kadada was the one who was married to Tupac when he died. And um, anyways, we're going way too far off the subject. I live with them so I can go to this school called Brightwood Elementary in Monterey Park. And it was just a regular chill-ass school, really predominantly Chinese area. Some white kids there, right? Honestly, think there was a handful of black people that went to that school. It was, it was a different thing. But the crazy part is it bordered East Los, right? So East Los was right there, East Los Angeles. And um, East LA College was right there. I remember running a track meet at ELAC. And I just think about those times then. And I found comfort in my aunt. And now she's going through it. She's old now. You know, I just think about, you know, this was the 80s, early 80s. And my father would drive me from Koreatown all the way over there. And the crazy part about it is living on Kingsley and Olympic. If you live in L.A. and you know anything about Los Angeles, it only took like 15, 20 minutes, if that, to get there. There's no motherfucking way we could do that now. My dad would go there and then go back to, to fucking work at UCLA. It's just fucking crazy. But, you know... Uh, we had gone through, but I think about that area a lot. And when, even when me and Nicola were going through some problems and shit, and uh, she don't believe me to this day, she might think I was out running with the bitch or something, but I would go up to Monterey Park in that area, and there's a case study, mid-century um, postmodern home, right on Summit Place in Monterey Park. It's just sold for like $2.5 million, like, I don't know, six years ago. I always wanted to buy the house. It looks like a radio station. It looked like a building. It's actually a fucking gorgeous house. And my wife is very, 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 very particular about where she lives. When we were building our house, we lived in Glendale for a little bit. I love Glendale. It's a safe-ass area. Cops fuck with you for no reason. And I don't mind that shit. I get fucked with all the time. I used to live in Beverly Hills. I, I know every single fucking BHPD because I had a Ferrari and a Rolls Royce and I had a bald head and tattoos. They just didn't like that shit. And I used to live on Burton Way. And um, it's just funny. You know, Glendale's a safe area. It's just hard to find a house that's dope out there that, that's like, you know, 
has that vibe or has, you know, a contemporary vibe or a modern house vibe. And um, we'd have to do a full teardown. And there's a lot of celebrities that live in Glendale that people would be surprised about, but, you know, they end up moving to different areas and shit or whatever you realize. But I like Glendale. It's a great area for kids. It's just, um, yes, a lot of Armenians, a lot of Koreans there till too, but she just was very particular about where we live. <laughs> and it's, fuck it, it you know, it's, it's one thing I don't really try to fight with my wife with, but if I were to raise my kids in Monterey Park, I would not be mad at all. I would want to say that crime is still very low in that area. The public school system isn't that bad. I wouldn't mind if they had to go to private school for high school, but it's just a cool-ass area. So anyways, going back, anytime I was going through some shit in my life, I'd hop in my whip, drive down Beverly, drive down 3rd Street. I would cruise through downtown LA, through K-Town, take Olympic all the way down, wherever the fuck I needed to get to. Then I hit that 6th Street Bridge, or I could take Beverly Boulevard and hit, take that all the way down 1st Street and hit the bridge there. But I would take the 6th Street Bridge, cut through Boyle Heights, and, you know, think about my cousin Alex Kizu, a.k.a. Defer, from the world-famous K2S Kill to Succeed Graffiti Crew. And I used to run with this cat and this cat, man, bro. One day we're going to have to have some stories on. I don't know if you want to talk about everything that he did in his gangbang culture, but, you know, cruising through Boyle Heights, going through fucking Hollenbeck Park and all that, and then go through East Los, right? I'd pass through, get to Monterey Park. I'd get on top of that area, and I would just look over the city because you can see a pretty good view of LA from on a clear night, you could. And it's just chilling. Nobody fuck with you there. Obviously, I always have a nice car or something, so they don't really said shit anyway. But it was just a vibe, man. It was just a something about it. And I did this. I'm doing this through every decade. You know, it was just something about it. It just makes me think. I, I love reflecting, man. That's one of my favorite exercises to do. But listening to this Duran Jones and Indications um, band, it's just, man, shit had me thinking about getting a 62 rag for real. Like, I'm just thinking about it. I don't know, man. But speaking of cruising, I hit Malibu yesterday with London. We jumped in the Senna, and I barely drive that thing. And we hit some corners, went over to Malibu, went to the Country Mart, got some coffee and pastries. And uh, we just chilled. It was just a nice little father-son bonding time with me and my best friend, London. And um, met some people. You know, there's always cars there. There's cars and coffee. There's always meeting people there. And I love the Senna. You know, it just takes a minute for it to warm up. And um, I don't like to go too crazy with my son in the car. But, you know, you see, you always see, it's L.A., you're going to see Ferraris and shit and everything pull up. And I don't really, like, flex on nobody no more. I mean, the car's already a flex, right? But you see, like, an Aventador pull up. There's always, there's always cars right there on Malibu Canyon Road just pulling through, whether it be an Aventador, would be a fucking uh, a GT3 or a fucking Pista or whatever Ferrari here and there. I mean, at a certain point, you pull up in a hypercar and it's really like, you know, it's the Trump card. It's, it's really no, you can't really say shit but I just really don't give a fuck anymore. Anything that just vibes right is cool. So I just think it might be time for the Senate to go. I just, it's a damn shame in a way, but I'm just so fucking obsessed with golf that I don't give a fuck. You know what I mean? Plus it becomes a target and shit and whatever. And it's another reason why, speaking of which, there was a shooting and um, one of my followers hit me up, said, hey, have you heard about this shooting in Koreatown, blah, blah, whatever. And I was like, nah, what are you talking about? And then I saw where the building was, and the building is a brand new building right over by Wilshire and, uh, and, and Virgil, Westmoreland, right there area. And it's a brand new luxury high-rise, really nice building. Only problem is it's a really fucked up part of town. This is a part where motherfuckers used to get it in. This was a real fucked up part of town. And it's funny, they never really say shit about gentrifying shit where the Mexicans live. But this was a hood-ass area. This was not no area you just wanted to be chilling at. And um, coming to find out later, the next morning, I saw it was a Rolls Royce Phantom and someone got shot for the Rolex or whatever. And come to find out, they say the car belonged to Andrew Lee, the crown prince of the Royal Imperial Family of Korea. It's funny, I never really brought it up. I think I might have. I'm not positive, but I might have. You have to be a deep BTB listener to know if I brought this up. I am the actual official jeweler for the Royal Imperial Family of Korea. 
You can go go ahead and Google Royal Korean Family, whatever it is, you know, of Korea, and they'll have a website. And the crazy thing is, the owners of IF and Co. Right, I got my cousin James and my cousin Steve. You obviously know, well, most of you know me would know my cousin's last name is Her H E R. James Her happens to be Andrew Lee, one of his knights. So it's like a, it's a big fucking deal, right? He don't live over there. I don't got to say where he lives, but, you know, so I got, I tripped out. I bugged the fuck out. I saw my cousin was out chilling and I'm like, oh shit, he might've been with Andrew. What the fuck happened? Come to find out the news is saying all this shit. And then someone's saying it was an Atlanta rapper. Like, fuck you talking about, bro? No, it wasn't. It was one of Andrew Lee's drivers and he got shot. I mean, I think he's going to pull through, but. Just a crazy fucking time right now in LA. LA is just a shit show. And Rick Russo lost. So we got Karen Bass, and, and it is what it is. But the fact of the matter is, a role's just in the wrong area. And you know, I used to push through Koreatown every day in a fucking Aventador, Rolls Royce, you name it. Man, I just, you could be in a Porsche and accomplish the same thing, right? In a certain way. I just think that. Not that I want to blend in. And I love driving my Tesla. I just think that it's just too fucking much now. Something is, and again, my my standard for, you know, what I would drive is still gonna be somebody else's dream. And I get it. But that double R, man, it just it does something to people, man. It gets people the wrong impression. It just, I don't know, man. So, you know, my fucking uh prayers go out to um Andrew Lee's driver. But you think about lowriders too, man. You know, you, you got to be careful. That's a highly jackable car. And it's motherfuckers just hate, period. And it's just, I don't know, man. It, it's just fucking crazy. But uh, you know what? Speaking of uh, super followers, decided to just jump on and, and, and talk some shit with my super followers. And I just had really no agenda, which is the best time. I didn't want to talk about golf. I don't want to talk about anything. I was like, let's talk about Twitter. And the funny thing is, I had really good engagement before Elon jumped on the website, jumped on the app. And when I think about Instagram and how fucked up everyone's algorithm is, if you don't see, this ain't no conspiracy theory, complex, you name it, shade or whatever, people's Twitter algorithms are down like a motherfucker. He's trying to do that weirdo TikTok shit and that Instagram shit and favor certain things, and it's just fucking corny, man. Like, you know what's funny is? How about you let people follow who the fuck they want to, turn off the algorithms, turn off the recommended, turn off the hot tweets, and just let it be chronological like it's always been. And you had it where you had both choices, and you still have both choices, but now you threw the algorithm in. And my tweets aren't getting seen. And the thing is, I don't mind buying Twitter Blue. I just don't want to buy Twitter Blue and say this man is verified because he bought Twitter Blue. That's corny as fuck. For me, at least. Because I went through the verification process, right? I've been verified for over 10 years. So it's just like weird why that shit go on. So I threw on the super follower chat. We talked about it. I got a buddy of mine who's been working at Twitter for many years now. He's helped me get a bunch of people verified. I'm not going to say his name because I'm going to get him in trouble, but he's still there. He's still got a job. And I mean, bro, they went from 7,000 people to 3,000 people. By the time the, the real holidays hit, they're going to be at like less than 1,500 employees. So he didn't fucked around and got rid of 70% of the fucking company, right? That's fucking insane, guys. I'm sorry, 75, 80% of the company is gone. And I know you'd be like, oh, you could run it, run it like this, but it's like, it was running fine. You came in and fucked shit up. So I don't know, man. I get the free speech, great. You know what, Donald Trump is back. Okay, cool. Who cares? I didn't give a fuck that he was banned. I mean, I was like, all right, good. You know, he's a dumb fuck here, whatever. Andrew Tate is back. Kanye's back. Reinstated some of the big pages. And it's just weird, bro. Like, dude is, and I'm telling you, people who he thinks is fucking with them, I don't think they fucking with him like that. My boy, Billy, you know, who um, founded Dogecoin, he's not really rocking with it. I think Elon's good at like, you know, one thing about, when he said he has Asperger's disease or Asperger's syndrome, I knew right then and there, I knew all about it. 
I studied about Asperger's, right? I, as a few people I think I know who have it, high functioning people on the spectrum, because, uh, you know, we studied London for a long time and thought that London had, you know, autism and, and we were going through all that shit. Look, I think that the Trump shit and he's saying he's not going to tweet because he has to fucking, you know, he doesn't want Truth Social to fail. Look, Truth so Social is done. That shit is, a, that shit's a wrap. The crazy part is, could Twitter fall apart completely? I actually thought it'd be impossible. And what this man did in two weeks, it's highly likely. And that's fucking sad. Because he couldn't take the 44BL. He had to take over. Bro, go hire somebody. Just fucking, you're like, why can't you own a company and, not, and just have someone else run it? Anyways, got into Super Follower Spaces chat and um, had my boy Marquise from San Francisco co-hosted with me. Just, just fucking just have somebody else up there. And we, you know, we chit-chat about certain things. We started talking about real life shit, like parenting. You know, my daughter's going to school with a Nigerian family and coming to find out these motherfuckers had a crib that make my crib look stupid. And it was a pleasant surprise. And just, you know, how other parents and how other different cultures treat their, how they raise their kids with, with discipline and stuff. And then finding out that one of Kaya's classmates is giving her a hard time and touched her in her private part and all this other stuff. And I'm like, all right, well, this kid don't know shit at five. He just have no fucking idea. You know, I just expected I was a crazy ass kid. And then he pushed her and then he tried to cut her hair. And I was like, all right, I got to go to school and whoop this dude. First of all, I'm going to fuck with this kid's parents come to find out the kid's dad is a cop not that I give a fuck I don't give a fuck if you're a cop I don't give a fuck who you are I don't give a fuck if you are fucking Mike Tyson anybody whatever bro I'm the Korean Liam Neeson I will sleep outside your house in the bushes like I said and sabotage you what the fuck you talking about so I went to school ready to fuck this dude up and I asked the dad I was like yo man everything cool you know at home how's everything going in your household man and it was a very rude, bold statement to make to a dude that I did it on purpose. And he was like, what are you talking about? Uh, and, you know, I was pretty blatantly, you know, rude about it. And I was like, well, you know what, man? Um, you know, your son tried to cut my daughter's hair. And he also touched my daughter's private part. And I know, look, they don't know what the fuck they're doing at this age. But is something going on in the house, man? Like, is everything cool? Because this is going to be a problem. And um, the guy's like, well, you know, I'm a detective. I'm in law enforcement. And I was like, I don't give a fuck who you were with. Homie, I got a CCW. You could find that out, I'm sure, on your own. What's that got to do? So now we both are dicks. What's good? And then dude just came out and told me that his wife is sleeping with another kid's parent in the classroom, going through divorce. And right then and there, all my energy just dropped. I was like, all right, dog. Hey, homie, don't even trip. I didn't say it like that, but I was just like, hey, man, sorry to hear it. Because I had a fucked up household and my dad was whooping my mom's ass and I was going through shit. And you don't know what the fuck is going on in someone's house. And you don't know how kids are going to react to it. Some kids are okay. You never know when the trauma is going to come out, you know, when they're going to suffer, you know, whatever it is mentally. But I fell for that little kid at that point. Told my daughter, I was like, just stay away from him. Right? Tell the teacher whatever you got to do. I can't really get involved, right? I'm in the fucking, what am I going to do? Whoop a little five-year-old kid's ass? Like, I'm, I'm going to hire some, some other kids to beat him up. Like, I just, that's not even the, this school ain't about that life at all. I ain't no tough kids at this school, period. Like, I wish there was a bully fucking one of my, one of my kids. Like, it would be on. But anyways, my wife would never fucking allow it. Just had a real deep, nice, super follower chat. And, uh, you know, I think that these guys really get to see a different side of me. And I really feel like, look, man, I'm not a celebrity. I'm not a fucking, or whatever the fuck people think I am. I'm a dad and a husband first. And uh, I guess I'm a successful businessman, entrepreneur. But I'm really just breaking all that down. I will not miss being popular. I'll tell you that right now. I'm not falling off at any time. I'm still going to design cool shit here and there until I don't because I'm over it and I don't give a fuck. And uh, one of the coolest things about being a super follower is I give away shit all the fucking time. I just gave away fucking, I don't know, thousands of dollars of shit to a kid. Um, well, not a kid, but you know, a, a guy in his 20s. 
and I blessed them. And now I gave away a pair of gold headphones to a super follower over the super follower spaces chat. And I decided, man, you know what? I got this crazy where one of 10 Shang-Chi, the Marvel comic, yes, Xbox, limited edition Shang-Chi Xbox. There was only 10 made and 10, I assume, for the 10 rings. And this thing's got to be thousands of dollars, at least two, three Gs, right? It comes with a 12-month free game pass and it's fucking dope. It's brand new in the box. I have no reason to use it. I have like three Xboxes. I got two PS5s. I haven't opened any. Well, there's one Xbox open for the kids, but I want to give it away. I'm going to figure out a trivia question for super followers. But the crazy part is the game, the interaction, the access, all that. That's what I love about having the super followers on Twitter. And there is a subscription uh, thing on Instagram. I didn't think about doing it. And I have way more followers on Instagram. I just don't want to do it. I'd feel bad transferring it over, right? And I'm thinking about it. I got 700 something super followers now, but I'm like, and I know I could have a lot more on Twitter. I mean, Instagram, but there's just like a nice community on Twitter. I just feel like it's different. There's so much shit I could say and so many more things I can do. I don't know. Anyways, let's get into a commercial and uh, we'll get more into that in a little bit. All right, y'all. What's up, guys? This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Unfortunately, life doesn't come with a user manual. So when it's not working for you, it's normal to feel stuck. Navigating any of life's challenges can make you feel unsure, whether it's a career change, a new relationship, or becoming a parent. Therapists are trained to help you figure out the cause of challenging emotions and learn productive coping skills, which makes therapy the closest thing to a guided tour of the complex engine called you. BetterHelp has connected over 3 million people with licensed therapists. It's convenient and accessible anywhere. It's 100% online. Therapy has broader benefits, learning coping skills, self-empowerment, dealing with trauma, and more. As the world's largest therapy service, BetterHelp has matched 3 million people with professionally licensed and vetted therapists available 100% online, plus it's affordable. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to match with the therapist. If things aren't clicking, you can easily switch to a new therapist anytime. It couldn't be simpler. No waiting rooms, no traffic, no endless searching for the right therapist. Learn more and save 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash baller. That's betterhelp.com slash baller. This episode is sponsored by Fabric by Gerber Life. It's been an eventful few years with constant reminders of how uncertain life can be. Having quality term life insurance can help to put your mind at ease, knowing that your family is taken care of if something unexpected happens. I'm not getting any younger, uh, are you? <laughs> if you're like me and the number of birthday candles keep going up and you don't have a life insurance policy yet, then check out Fabric. Fabric's new lower prices mean significant savings over other providers with great quality policies like a million dollars in coverage for less than a dollar a day. Life insurance can have a bad rap for being complicated, but Fabric makes it easy to apply with its seamless digital experience. And if you need extra support, Fabric's team of licensed insurance agents can answer questions along the way. It takes less than 10 minutes to apply. See your quote and then personalize your quote to fit your family's needs. You could be offered coverage instantly with no health exam required. Fabric has partnered with Gerber Life, trusted by millions of families like yours for over 50 years. With over 1,600 five-star reviews on Trustpilot.com, you can feel confident that you're getting a high-quality policy that is perfect for your family. Fabric has a 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can cancel at any time. Fabric was specifically designed to give parents like you affordable term life insurance plus wills, access to college savings funds, and more tools to help protect your family's financial future, all in an easy online experience. 
That's meetfabric.com slash baller. M-E-E-T fabric.com slash baller. Fabric by Gerber Life was designed by parents for parents to help you get high quality, surprisingly affordable life term insurance policy in less than 10 minutes. Protect your family with Fabric by Gerber Life. Apply in just 10 minutes at meetfabric.com slash baller. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Assurance Policy Company. Not available in certain states. Prices subject to underwriting and health questions. Guys, this is not an ad. Okay, this is the ultimate free game. I could not give you more free game than this. Okay. Captain Picks is not just some run-of-the-mill betting pick site. St. Vegas Dave, this is not some cap shit. Full transparency. This is really a true community. I don't go on Discord like that, but the Discord community for Captain Picks is no joke, okay? I own part of Captain Picks. This is not some regular business. We are a university for sports betting. This is not a joke. All right. We have captains. We study the weather. We study the history. We study the players. We study the algorithm. We study all the data, all the stats across the board. If you have not joined Captain Picks yet, I have no idea what the fuck's going on. And let me tell you something. Captain Picks has been on fucking fire. I had my own picks this weekend, right? I love that Colts game. I love that Washington Commanders game. We fucking cleared it. I cleared it on that Washington game, okay? Captains had crazy picks all across the board. You want fucking MLB, NCAA, football, NFL, NBA, PGA, UFC, you name it. It is not a joke. This is a billion-dollar business. We're talking about long-term shit. We ain't talking about motherfuckers like, oh, shit, I got to pay my tuition. Let me bet on some shit. I understand this guy's like that. No, we talking about really like on some investment shit. We out here cracking the code. Anyways, BTB Army, ladies and gentlemen, your boy Ben Baller, a.k.a. the Wash Lord, a.k.a. the Korean Earl Woods, broke 80. I don't think you guys understand. 65 million golfers in the world. And 90% of them will probably never break 80. Which is crazy as fuck right? The percentage of golfers that break 100 is already kind of rare. To break 90, it's tough. To break 80, it's crazy. To get scratch, it becomes 0.2% will ever shoot par consistently. And nobody's ever shot below 58, by the way. So it's just like, you know, it's nuts. Now, the crazy part is you see guys who have great caddies, who read the greens, tell you where to hit the ball and everything, right? And of course, you still got to make it, but that definitely helps a lot. And this is a course where I haven't played with my coach since I broke 90 with him. And my one-year anniversary just passed. And the funny thing about it is, the day after my one-year anniversary of playing golf, the thing is, I'm still under seven months playing rounds, meaning playing 18 holes. And I broke 80 with my cousin. And this is where it got fucking crazy. On the 12th hole, I was minus three for the course. It was absolutely fucking insane. And the crazy part about all of this, I was, I shot a six on hole one. So double bogey. Shot a six on hole two, which is a bogey. And that went insane. That Scotty Cameron putter is no fucking joke. That motherfucker. And the thing is, I'm putting a lot more instead of putting off the fringe and doing certain shit because I'm actually getting these shots on the green now. I had so many more GIRs. I had four birdies. I had four pars. I've never fucking had two birdies in a round. But the way I'm playing now is for the last four or five rounds, I've been laying up. Say on a par five, right? I hit the ball. I hit the ball 240, 250 yards, right? Okay. So now I got 300 yards left. So what am I going to do? I used to get my hybrid, but then I might go 215. Then I got a 75-yard shot. I don't want the 85-yard shot. That's not really the shot I want. So instead, pull out a six iron. All right, six iron goes 170. Guess what? I got 130 to hold. I still make my GIR. 
and I want to get the ball on the green and get the GIR. Now with my coach, he's more impressed with up and downs. And if you don't understand golf, then you don't understand the up and down. But what I'm getting at is I'm putting the ball more because I'm getting on the green more. Usually when I'm closer off the green, I put off the green all the time. I put from the rough a lot. And I do better than I do chipping, but I'm just getting the total package in and I put 35 times, I think. And that's actually more than I put in a very, very long time. If maybe, I don't know how long. I think I had one three putt, but the average PGA star on tour is probably putting about 29 putts around 28 putts here and there. I'm looking at the course management totally different now. I only topped one ball and the fucking crazy part about it was as well on a par five. And I just played obviously the best round of my life. And I shot that 79 with plenty of bogeys. And as soon as I looked at the scorecard and saw at one point I was minus three, I think I had like a 59 and I was like, yo, I could fuck around and legitimately shoot a 75 or 74. I bogeyed like three holes in a row. Should have never looked at the score. Just knew I was on fire. But it felt good. It felt easy. Saturday, no golf at all. I was so fucking tired from Thursday and Friday. And the crazy part is I had a lesson on Monday, obviously. Tuesday didn't go to the range. Wednesday didn't go to the range. Thursday, my one-year anniversary, I go to play. I go to the range uh, before, obviously, at, at Angeles. And um, I play every day of the week. It doesn't matter what the fuck day it is. I'll play on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I'll play 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock, 9 a.m. I don't give a shit. It just depends on when I can get a free time. And most of the time, people don't really want to go to Angeles because they don't want to pay $150 or $200 on the weekend. And they don't want to pay whatever. Some people just don't want to do that, right? I don't give a fuck. I love doing it. But I played Thursday and Friday. And it just took everything out of me. Because mentally, I was so dialed in and so focused and so locked in that I was just exhausted. Sunday, I, you know, went cruising with my son, like I'd said. Came back, chilled a little bit. And I was like, watch some football. And I said, fuck this. I'm going to go hit some balls. My coach was at the at the range. I was like, fuck, I'm going over there. I go there feeling like a golfer. And I had a great fucking session. And the funny thing is on Thursday, my three hybrid was giving me trouble. That's my money club. My three hybrid, four hybrid, those are my money clubs. So I said, fuck this. You know what? I brought my DHY, my three iron, the driving iron. And that motherfucker saved my life. And I brought that three hybrid back out on the back nine and hit one pure. I posted a story, you know, thing on my story, 220 yards. It was like, boom, off the tee, low tee, and um, short par four, 357 yards. You know, now I got, you know, a pitching wedge shot, boom, GIR, two putt par. So take the DHY out at the end. Even my driver's starting to work a little better. Absolutely smoked a couple drives on uh, at uh, my last round. And it just, you know, I'm just getting the consistency down. It's tough still. You know, like you still try to get that shit going and it's fucking, it's raw. Especially when you get time to where, you know, it matters. And it should matter between him, homies, if you're playing for money or whatever. But it really matters when you start playing tournaments, obviously. And I'm gonna start doing that. It gets tough when people are watching you or whatever. But I broke fucking 80 legitimately. Feels fucking good. My next round is maybe tomorrow and, and who fucking knows what I'm gonna shoot. But it was fucking an awesome feeling. And um, I, I was super hyped. You know, I just, I just felt so fucking good. It just put me in a different category to do that in such a short time with people playing 20 years and having broke 80. I just feel like if you're either going to break it or you're not, you know, could take you five years, could take you 10. But again, I don't think anybody in five years has played as much golf as I have in the last six months. And that's the truth. Because these guys are leisurely playing. Maybe they play once a week. Maybe they play, you know, twice a month or something. I'm practicing almost every fucking day. This past week, you know, it took a little time for me to get, get, get out of it. But anyways, man, I was so fucking tired. And I only got like four or five hours of sleep every night. That I went to designer con on Saturday with my son, Ryder. And London was supposed to come too, but you know, he was just on one. When I got back, it took like 50 minutes to get to Anaheim. And then it took an hour and a half to get home. I was fucking exhausted. I almost fell asleep three times. I turned on auto drive. 
and I was just fucking exhausted. My son fell asleep. I almost fucked around, fell asleep like that movie Vacation when Chevy Chase's whole family's asleep in the car. It's different because my car is actually auto driving. I bought that new, um, they didn't have the steering wheel weight for the Plaid yet. Now they make it for the yoke steering wheel where you actually could put it on and it you self-drive. It's not going to make you fucking, you know, um, on auto drive. It's not going to make you uh, try to touch the wheel and whatever because looking at your face or whatever it is, it's a weight. And I had that bitch on there and I was just fucking out of it. I don't know what the fuck it was, but I got home and I took a nap for almost four hours. That ain't no nap. That's actually sleep. And I was out. I took a nap yesterday and I went a long time without, avo I've been avoiding these naps, but I was just fucking tired. But DesignerCon was lit. DesignerCon is partnered with Network now. It's fucking toy heaven. It's fucking crazy in there. I went in there like the VIP hours. They, they opened up an hour early. Friday was VIPs only. I couldn't go Friday. I had too much shit going on. I had, what, broke my 80. I was like, fuck this. I was in a whole different mood. And um, shout out to Kai and Ben at 3D Retro and DesignerCon. They blessed me with four 1,000% bear bricks. They gave Ryder a 400% bear brick. They gave London a 400% bear brick. They gave Kai a couple hundred percent bear bricks. It was crazy in there. My friend Lauren Sai was in there. I feel bad. I haven't seen her. I just, fuck. She was on the podcast before. I was supposed to see her in Japan. And I just, I don't know, man. It was a crazy thing. It was really nice to, um, all the people there were very, very kind. A lot of people asked for pics. A lot of people were just really, really, really chill. And I noticed this weekend, a lot of people are like, yo, I listen to the podcast. I'm like, thank you very much. And I know we're up there in the, you know, in the six figures as far as who's listening. But you really think about running into people and it's like, there's millions of people in the world. How the fuck they gonna know you? I mean, but they listen to it. And it's, you know, thank you guys. I don't know what to say, but I think next year, I wanna be more involved in DesignerCon. I just think I was too, I was overextended, overexposed, and that caused me to be overwhelmed with work, right? Because I do have a money counter dropping on Wednesday. My gold 2.0 money counter is dropping the day after tomorrow, and it's going to be fucking crazy. So that shit's just going to be a fucking uh, shit show. In fact, you know what, guys? Fuck. What is it? It's 12 o'clock. The show drops. Um, I'm going to try to do a pre-sale for super followers today. So if you're listening to this early right now, I'm probably going to try to drop this shit like around one o'clock. So right when you're listening to this, you're going to have a few minutes and I'm about to drop a fucking, if you're a super follower, sorry, only super followers are going to get a chance to um, get the gold money counter and that shit's going to be crazy. But yeah, man, um, it was a good weekend. I didn't go to ComplexCon. Just not my thing. Just I just couldn't go. It just wouldn't, it wasn't my thing. I just, I just don't want to be there. And Kanye showed up yesterday, and I guess it was like a whole shit show and people going crazy. And I mean, he's a huge star, you know, I get it, but like I just didn't want to see anybody. And the funny thing was, I'm driving to the range yesterday, and Lil Uzi texts me. He's like, yo, bro, I need a favor. And I'm like, oh fuck, man. He might be somebody I owe a favor to. And he's like, yo, I'm at the Accomplice Con. I need two big herring bones. And I'm like, okay. And I was like, bro, I, I can't meet you at the store, dog. I'm at the golf course. He's like, motherfucker, all you do is play golf. And I'm like, so fucking what? And he's like, bro, I want to see you. And I'm like, dog, pull up to Beverly Center, go to the store, man, I'm done. So he picks up some jewelry from my store. Gets some herring bones. Motherfucker pulls up to Complex Con. I see a video of this dude. I don't know if he's wearing a wig, but this motherfucker got a Jerry Curl look like Easy E. Like I'm not, I'm dead ass serious. I thought this motherfucker was Eric Wright on stage, and I just love it. This look is incredible. This motherfucker looks like Lil Easy E. Like it is just fucking hilarious. But yo, Lil Uzi, I love you, bro. Appreciate the support. And um, I wanted to talk about something, man. And I was just watching football, you know, and I was watching teams, and I'm watching how these rankings are going, you know, and and you know. Kansas City is, is balling right now. And they really are. It's proven. You know, they see a loss. It's like, oh, they're, they're falling off. No, nah, man. You know when the teams are for real, when the teams are for not. And I'm going to tell you this right now. Dallas Cowboys have had a huge following and certain shit and all that. And this year they came back. They're kind of balling here and there. They whooped the Vikings ass, which is crazy because the Vikings are a great team. Dog, I don't believe in it. Their team is all cap. 
Uh, I'm not hearing it. Now, the Chargers had a good chance. They should have won. They gave Mahomes too much time. My dog, Travis Kelsey, is a fucking dog. He's an animal, bro. And I'm glad me and him are friends, but we play against them Christmas Eve, and I'm supposed to go to Kansas City. I'm going to be in San Francisco, but I'm supposed to go there for the day and come back. But, you know, we got, what is it, Buena Noche or some shit? I forgot what it's called, but the Laxon family goes hard on Christmas. And by the way, it reminds me, fuck, I got to get all that shit organized. But, you know, we go hard for Christmas, and it's like a big thing with family. And um, Kansas City is the truth. They're not fucking around. And let me tell you something right now. Seattle ain't fucking around either. Yeah, we took some else from some teams here and there. Do I have a valid excuse for them? 100%. Now, look at how close we lost to some teams, right? And I look at some of these wins and, and, you know, where it's just undisputed. This goes for life. This goes for a lot of shit. People are so fucking focused on celebrating a win as a win. And that's true for certain points where no matter what, you're going to figure out some way to win. Sometimes you didn't win. The other team lost and they gave you the win. And some people don't understand that. In my eyes, there's the people who want to win at any cost. And they'll do anything. They will kill a four-year-old baby. They will kick an old lady in the mouth and not give a fuck. And I get all that, right? They are going to do whatever it takes to win. Now, when it comes to cheating and shit like that, I don't rock with that shit at all. That ain't at all in my DNA. I'm not about that at all whatsoever, especially if it costs someone else. Some people have no emotions. And I get that way sometimes when I'm focused. But when you're cheating and there's money on the line, that's just, you a piece of shit to me, period. But when I see a team that is awful, and they say every dog has its day, and that's true, any given Sunday, true. But you got a team that's absolutely dog shit, and they come close to beating you, I'm going to tell you this if I was a coach. The fact that you let these motherfuckers run with you for a while, that's a problem. Close is different, okay? Getting close, that shit's different. People are like, oh, no, we still got the W. Yeah. And you know what? You should think about, you know, if you're a player, you'd be like, nah, keep it going and don't think about that L or don't think about the almost L or think about, wow, that was close when we, we pulled it off. If you have too many close ones, just know if you don't fix that shit and start really defeating somebody without a single doubt, there ain't no argument. You whooping ass, it's a different story. Now, some hypocrite shit, me being a hypocrite, Dallas whooped the Vikings ass 40 to 3. Ain't no other thing to say than the fact that that shit had to be a fluke. I don't even know what to say because I didn't watch the game because I, I fucking hate the Cowboys. So I'm biased right there as it is. But I just want people to understand in life, when you think about getting close to somebody, I don't think you understand the mentality. When I'm playing with Colin Morikawa, when I'm playing with fucking Alex King, when I'm playing with all these fucking touring pros, and we get, you know, we both go par on a hole, or I go birdie and they go par on a hole, or whatever the fuck it may be, the fact is, they're not hitting more than a bogey. And they're going, usually, where they don't bogey at all right? They're hitting par in 18 holes and going low and going birdie. Having a bogeyless round. But when I start realizing why I don't like playing with people who are worse than me, it's because I don't get any better. Challenging yourself is a, is a motherfucker. But I look at that in life. I like to be around people who are doing better than me. I don't mind being around people who are doing, you know, who are less with everything. I'm talking about having a conversation when I had some conversations with people on my super follower, you know, Silk Samurai, the dude I had on, on IG, uh, on my IG live, you know, not that long ago. I can tell this man has all the tools to become a very successful person. I had a conversation with a couple of super followers and their mindset is great. You know what? There might be some haters around. There might be some roadblocks. There might be, I don't know what the fuck's going on. But I meet a lot of people who have all the potential. They can't put it together. 
That ain't my job to put it together. It's not my business. It's not my job. I don't want to be irresponsible. I don't want to be anybody. I want to be me and I got my own responsibilities. But I just want you guys to understand a win isn't always a win. You want to celebrate wins like that? Go ahead. Now, if you're looking at a record like, all oh, I went 17-0 and there was two, okay, cool. I understand that argument. You know, you went 17-0 in a season and there was two games where it came close. You pulled it off. All right, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. But I'm talking about motherfuckers who, you know, are batting less than 500 or are playing less than 500, right? You going below, you know, the average. And now you, you know, you got a 48% win average, whatever. He's like, oh no, a win is a win. No, I don't know, bro. You got to figure out that formula. And I figured that out with a lot of different things. I ain't trying to be around some regular ass people. I don't want to be around with people with regular ass mindset. You could be highly intelligent, comfortable where you are, and totally content with your life. You know what that is? That's a winner. I don't give a fuck if you make 60K a year, 100K a year. These people are completely content. Anyone can draw someone to a point where they just like, I don't want to hear your shit anymore. Oh man, why you drive that car? Well, how come you drive this house? Whatever. Some people are very content with just living very chill. Go grocery shopping, cook their food at home, don't eat out very much, have a beer, they chill out, very comfortable in what they do. Leave those motherfuckers alone, bro. They ain't bothering nobody. So anyways, that was my little thing on a win is a win. Oh man, I'm supposed to be in Miami in a few weeks. I don't know. And the only thing that's really making me thinking about going out there is, is playing Calusa Pines and playing Grove 23, which is uh, Michael Jordan's private uh, country club. And I uh, shot my boy Marcus Jordan. I don't really condone the, the dating situation he's in right now, but he went to the Chiefs um, Chargers game yesterday at SoFi and he, saw him, he was sitting in these seats and he happened to be sitting in the seat with the Ben Baller sticker there. But uh, he's my ticket into Grove 23. But I'm hearing a lot about, obviously, Florida golf is a whole different level. I can't wait to get out there and play it. But that's it for today's show, guys. And I really appreciate you guys. Don't forget, super followers on Twitter. We're doing a giveaway. I'm going to have a pre-sale for the gold money counter. And on top of all that, um, we do have the money counter dropping on Wednesday at 12 p.m. noon. Appreciate you guys. Mad love. That is my man, Lakey Lake, in the background. You know when you hear that music, that means that the show is ending or we're going to commercial right now we're ending all right y'all i will see you guys next monday there is no episode this thursday guys there will not be an episode this thursday i will be out of town and i'll be out of town for monday's episode but we'll still be going so much love god bless happy thanksgiving and uh i hope you guys have a great week all right i will get back with you guys on monday peace